0: Welcome to the latest episode of Conversations Different, a podcast from the Santa Fe New Mexican dedicated to talking to the interesting people of northern New Mexico. I'm your host, Inez Russell-Gomez. This is an exciting time in Santa Fe. A brand new state art museum, the New Mexico Museum of Art Vladim Contemporary has its grand opening this weekend. To talk about it, we have Mark White, Executive Director of the New Mexico Museum of Art, and artist Christina Gonzalez, who will be exhibiting at the museum. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for
2: having us.
0: Mark, start by letting you describe exactly what the Vlodum is and what its purpose is. The Museum of Art, we know, is down on the plaza, but the Vlodum will be at the rail yard. It's in its Old State Archives building and... The two sites, but one museum. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. So the Contemporary Museum for us was a way of furthering our original mission. When we were founded on the plaza in 1917, we were founded as a contemporary museum. And what happened over the century is that our mission got a little diluted over time. We began to show a lot more of our historic work. We began to... um, have difficulty in showing some of the contemporary work that was large, experimental. And so in the 2010s, we really identified the need for a new site. Um, Initially, we looked for an expansion there on the plaza. That really wasn't going to happen. And then we identified the old um, Halpin Archives building as the potential site for our expansion.
0: It's kind of exciting because you have a historic building, but we were lucky enough at the New Mexican to go on a tour earlier this summer that you took us on. And it's really a pretty neat space. And it's not just the exhibitions that that matter. You're going to have a ton of space for all the pieces in your collection that nobody even knew were there.
1: Yeah, the great thing about this building is that we're not only adding almost 10,000 square feet of exhibition space, but also 4,100 square feet of storage space. And at present, we have about 20,000 objects in our collection. In order to continue to collect, we really needed some more storage, and this building really solves that problem for us.
0: So someday in about 100 years or 50 years, you're going to have to have another contemporary museum because <laughs> this will be the old guy's museum.
1: Probably so, yeah.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. In addition to having exhibitions and space and all of those things, you got to have the artists to put the material in. And that's where you come in, Christina. You're going to have something in what is called the window box.
2: Talk about what that is and what your piece will be. So my piece is titled Apapachando la Matria. And it is in the window box installation space, which is a five by eight foot and about 13 foot high. So five by eight foot footprint, 13 foot high space that faces Guadalupe and Montezuma Street right there on the corner and is visible at all hours of day and night. So that's a really nice component of this exhibition space. And these are short-term rotating installations. I think it'll be up about three months, two to three months. And there will be rotating contemporary artists who are exhibiting in the space and creating installations specifically for this space.
0: And that's something new. I mean, we've had window shows like at Goler Shoes. Uh, where they, you know, change and artistify their their shoe things. But we haven't had many art exhibitions that people can just walk by and see. Mm -hmm.
2: I think it's a very exciting opportunity for Mm -hmm. Santa Fe, for local artists, for regional artists um, to really respond to a very particular community, a very particular size space and share their work with the public there. That's going to be exciting. So
0: you're an artist, obviously. You're Yale trained. You have an MFA. You know, you're up the food chain, basically, of, of art and education. <laughs> but you have a day job. and I do. And talk, talk a little bit about that and what this museum, I think, is going to mean to the children of our town. So you're the art education coordinator for Santa Fe Public Schools. I
2: am, yes. Wow. So I have been in arts education for over 20 years in northern New Mexico. And currently, I am serving as the Fine Arts Coordinator in Santa Fe Public Schools. So that's correct. I'm going to have this amazing opportunity to share my work not only with the art going public and people who normally visit museums, but also teachers and the superintendent and the cabinet and administrators and principals and all those students who. Uh, may want to visit the museum. And it's a very exciting partnership with the Vladim in that the public schools are building some partnerships to take students to the rail yard museum. And we've had some long partnerships, but I think we're going to get very intentional and um, about bringing students consistently. To the space.
0: I love that and I, I love the idea too that as a student knowing your teacher your art director is also an artist you're doing yes it.
2: yeah I think it makes a difference for students to see there are pathways to this and it, it's not easy of course but um, we live in this incredibly arts rich community and so many of our educators are professional artists and so, I, yeah, I love being able to share that with students yeah. and the district. I think it's really important for the community as well. Yeah. You have a professional artist at the helm of this program. Yeah, and Talk about
0: we now have a new career pathway that people will see and That's be able, right. whether it's being the artist or it could be a museum director, just like you are, Mark. Um, what do we expect opening weekend? What's going to happen
1: opening weekend is uh, gonna be packed with lots of um, I think exciting opportunities for the public so as Christina mentioned um, her installation uh, is actually in progress it's close to being uh, close to being done uh, and of course we'll be ready for the opening weekend um, and in addition to that we've got a lot of other things within the building we've got our inaugural exhibition shadow and light which is a sort of contemporary investigation of the classic notion of New Mexican light that has lured artists and inspired artists for generations. In addition to that, we've got uh, a sound installation by Oswaldo Machia. We've got a permanent installation by Leo Villareal. Villareal is an internationally renowned artist these days, But he was born in Albuquerque, and this is his first public installation in New Mexico, and he was very excited to collaborate with us on that. On Saturday, September 23rd, and Sunday, September 24th, the Vladim Contemporary will be free to the public. We'll have activities in our new classroom. We'll also be giving out free Italian Isis to the first 4,000 people.
0: I love it. I love it. So there's just going to be a lot going on, and... An opportunity, I think, when I'm hearing you describe it, we think of art as something we look at. But in this museum, you're going to have art to look at, to to hear, to experience.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think that's one of the things that we wanted to do from the very beginning is we wanted to be able to test the boundaries of what an aesthetic experience is. And it's not purely visual. So with, with Oswaldo Machia's installation, it is a sound sculpture. You experience it by going out onto our sculpture terrace and listening to his, I guess you can call it um, almost kind of symphony of... Insects and birds and bats and wind that suggests the importance that New Mexico has played as a crossroads for animals over the centuries, over the millennia, even. Um, so that's you know very much an aural experience, um, but we also have an augmented reality experience that we're working on with Judy Chicago uh, that will allow people to experience uh, AI cats wandering throughout the museum uh, encouraging them to do educational activities I love so it. so you've got the visual you've got the kinetic you've got uh, the technological and you've got even artificial intelligence all kind of coming together in this opening experience
0: I love it this is a great place to take a break we'll be right back with conversations different after this message <music>
3: Thanks, Inez. This is Patrick Dorsey, publisher of The Santa Fe, New Mexican. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Conversations Different with Inez Russell Gomez. Great local content is only possible with a talented staff dedicated to bringing you the best local content possible. For that staff to do its work, we need your support by subscribing to The Santa Fe, New Mexican. If you're already a subscriber, thank you, and if not, there's never been a better time to subscribe. In addition to our home-delivered newspaper that comes with full digital access, we also provide digital-only subscriptions for SantaFeNewMexican.com. We'll also be releasing more online-only audio and video programming moving forward. The Santa Fe New Mexican has been here for nearly 175 years, and we want to continue being your source for local news and information visit us at santafenewmexican.com slash subscribe or call us at 505-986-3010. Thank you.
4: It's a new day in New Mexico, and the doors to boundless opportunity are open as tens of thousands of New Mexicans reach higher to pursue a dream, broaden their horizons, and retrain for a better job. With the New Mexico Lottery and Opportunity Scholarships, you could build yourself a better future anywhere in the state. You put in the hard work, we'll help with the costs. For eligibility details, visit ReachHireNM.com.
0: We are back talking about the new Vladim Contemporary. And I imagine the week before a museum opens is, you know, stressful, exciting, but also a little fun. It's finally here. But in the months leading up to the opening, there were a few bumps. This was not always an easy process, as I recall. Let's start by talking about the Multicultural Mural, which once adorned the side of the Archives Building. And it's gone now and that caused a big stink in the community and people were upset and had t-shirts and uh everything how is that history being preserved because one of the nice things about this whole opening is it's going to be there and people are going to be able to see it can you talk about how that's going to work
1: yeah what we did was to enter an agreement with Gilberto Guzman one of the artists of the original group that constructed the multicultural mural and um as as you may know it was originally a group project in 1980 and then in 1993 it was repainted chiefly by Guzman. And so we uh, worked with Guzman and a group of artists under his Um, umbrella to recreate a scale model of the multicultural mural and so that is actually one of the largest pieces in our collection now it is 24 feet long and it is on display in the lobby once again i should say that the lobby is always free Um, you can enter the lobby and see this mural at any time that the museum is open Uh, so admission is not required in order to see this so that is already on on uh, permanent display in the building, um, and it will be awaiting obviously the crowds to come in and see it there. But that's not the only thing that we're doing with the mural. Um, we also have a um, interactive kiosk, uh, a touch screen that deals with the entire history of the building, starting in 1936 with its. Construction as the Ilfeld Warehouse, the Halpin Building, and, of course, the Multicultural Mural. And so you'll actually be able to use that uh, kiosk to do research on the history of the mural. You'll be able to see articles from the New Mexican, among others, uh, about the history of this mural from its inception in 1980 up to uh, the present time. Finally, the last thing that we're doing, we will have a... um, out front that will talk a little bit about the history of the multicultural mural and will also have a QR code. And using your smart device, you'll be able to use augmented reality to visualize the mural on the eastern wall of the building where uh, it used to be. And so with those three components, um, we really are paying homage to the history of that mural.
0: And it seemed to me that like so many things in Santa Fe, this dispute about the mural was about something else about people not feeling welcome in their own space or what they perceive to have been their space. And then you get to the next big fun controversy where the Vladims generously and kindly come to their new city, give $4 million to help this place get up and running. And instead of everyone saying, gee, thanks, we're so happy you like us, people just became outraged that they were, you know, buying entree into Santa Fe or whatever the heck was going on. How do you... Tell other donors, you know, we want your money, but maybe don't put your name on it. Or what do you do now? And and is this left kind of a bad taste in people's mouth or have you gotten past that?
1: I feel that we've largely gotten past it. But one of the things that we tell donors over and over is that, you know, the arts thrive on philanthropy. And that's always the way it has been. If you go back even to the ancient world, artists were always in service of a patron um the state sometimes but not always certainly the renaissance uh was only capable through patronage and so um i think that's a, an important thing to remember is that you know the arts have a very symbiotic relationship with others in the community I would also say that in the respect for the Vladims, you know, they were contributing to help us realize this public-private partnership with the Contemporary Museum. But the New Mexico Museum of Art actually began also as a public-private partnership. The state contributed $30,000 to help construct our building on the plaza, but the other $30,000 of the $60,000 cost came from Frank Springer. Frank Springer was a notable attorney. Um, He was a New Mexico booster, also an amateur paleontologist. Um, And he was really the reason that that museum happened in the first place. If it had just been up to the state legislature at the time in 1916, they would not have been able to raise the funds to complete that building. So it really did require that collaboration between the public and the private.
0: So there's more of a historical link than people realize, even as they get all hot and bothered and, and angry, you know, whether it's real or, or for sometimes you feel like it's performative almost, you know, you people just have to be angry about something.
1: Well, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I think that, uh, I think that as humans, um, you know, we often find something to be indignant about, um, not to make light of it, but it's, I mean, I, I think to some degree there is. Um, I can understand some of the rationale, but it is a necessary part of art museums. A lot of our collection is not purchased by the state, but is actually given by private donors. Mm -hmm. Um, the first piece to actually come into the museum collection was a donation by the artist, Robert Henry. And I think that starts us off very early on needing that private support now henry is an artist of course he's a very successful american artist at the time but that that sets the track record then for us receiving other donations both in work and monetary means to help us realize exhibitions educational programs additions to the museum that without that support would never be possible.
0: Right. Cause one thing people don't realize is that the state only funds a certain percentage of your budget. If you don't raise money from somebody, you're not going to have, you know, the extras that people take for granted, let's say like educational programs and that kind of thing.
1: That's absolutely correct. The state is very generous and basically gives us the money for staff and facility support, and that's it. And if we did not have the Museum of New Mexico Foundation that was created in the 1960s to support endowments for the museums, we wouldn't be able to do a lot of the exhibitions and programs that ultimately go to serve the public.
0: And going thinking of exhibitions, I want to go back to Christina and talk a little bit about, you know, as an artist, you're not the one having to raise money, although you probably do for the art education in public schools. Um, but you have a difficult job. We're in a world where people are always on their screens. Like, I'm going to be reading my phone as I walk by your window. What's going to make me stop? And what do you hope people are going to take away once they do stop and look in?
2: Well, I what I hope people take away is curiosity. And I hope the work is sufficiently visually engaging that people get curious. I mean, that's the best thing, right? As an artist, when you see something, you watch the public interact with a piece and they wonder, what is that? Why did they make it? How did they make it? Oh, I see something there. What does that mean? Ooh, Right, this sort of whole curiosity and wonder and questioning that happens when people engage with a work of art. That's what I want that's what every artist i think wants yeah. people to experience. And this piece is a connection to your homeland, the matria. Is that? Yes. Translate a little bit for me. Yes. 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 So, apapachando la matria, apapachar is to hold with tenderness, okay. to caress. Mm-hmm. And in a very poetic translation, there was a musician who described it as to caress with the soul. Oh wow. <laughs> so apapachando to caress with the soul, la matria, which is the homeland um in, in Spanish that's also translated as La Patria, mm-hmm. the the, pa- the right. La, right? But you're a woman, so it's but, your motherland. Yes, yes. And so it's the motherland, but it, it it's um it's also an interior space, the motherland of being a woman, being a mother, being a daughter. Oh. So it's a prayer for mothers and daughters and the healing that we all need to have with our matrilineal line.
0: Wow. So that there's going to be many layers in this piece.
2: There are many layers. Nice. Yeah.
0: We will take a break right now, and we'll be back soon with Conversations Different.
4: My name is Maria Jose Rodriguez Cadiz, and I am the Executive Director with SOLACE Sexual Assault Services. Our mission is to prevent sexual violence and empower survivors of sexual violence through restoring dignity, strength, and resiliency. For almost 51 years, SOLACE has reduced the impact of sexual violence. We do it by focusing on human rights, social justice, hope, and dignity. We believe survivors are experts in their own experiences and acknowledge that empowering them is crucial to their healing. Our advocacy, forensic interviewing, and therapy services are centered to their needs. Our sexual violence prevention programs in schools and community is just as important. Please check our website at findsolace.org. And if in need, you can call our 24-7 hotline, which is 800-721-7273. Your support is crucial to the lives of survivors. Thank you. Gracias.
0: We are back with Conversations Different, talking to Mark White and Christina Gonzalez about the opening of Santa Fe's newest museum this weekend. I want to get back to the building and to how it uses light and space to show the art, Mark. Uh, What are people going to be finding when they get in there? I think if anyone has been in the Old State Archives building, I'm not sure if any of us are alive who saw the Ilfeld building, because that's a long, long time ago, but it doesn't remind me of what I remember of the Halpin building back in the day. So this is a pretty amazing remodel.
1: Yeah, it's really been transformed by us, DNCA and Studio GP um, under the lead architect, vendor Contractor. And Dravinda really wanted to preserve the original box-like structure of the Ilfeld Warehouse, um, but then transform it into a space where light and shadow would really be effective. And so what you have in that building are a series of light wells that allow sunlight to enter into the building in very interesting and unique ways, creating patterns, creating um, interesting sight lines that would not have existed in the Halpin building. As an archive, it needed to be as dark and shadowy as possible, obviously, to preserve its contents, the paper, the photographs, etc. So this building really does use light in a fascinating way. Um, And I think people will be very surprised at how this building has been adaptively reused.
0: One of the things that really struck me is just how not just light-filled, but just how airy it felt. Because you can see in the spots where you've left the original bricks out, you know, those kinds of things, what it was a heavy industrial kind of building, but all of a sudden it feels airy. And I thought that was a really interesting transformation.
1: Yeah, the architects did a really fantastic job of preserving the original industrial elements of the building. So you see some of the brick, you see some of the original I-beams, but they have elevated the ceilings in many cases. They have allowed for a lot of windows to be used in the building, but not necessarily in ways that would threaten the exhibitions, the artwork, because as most of us know, Um, especially paper, is very susceptible to light exposure. So in in many respects, this building does give one a kind of space, a kind of atmosphere that does feel very sort of elevating and in, in a way transcendent.
0: And they're using some of the original wood on the walls. Is that what I... Because that was something in that hallway that you can walk through without paying anything. Yeah. You can see some really interesting old features of the building that have been renewed.
1: So in the, in the hallway that you're speaking of, which is actually um, right across from where the multicultural mural is installed... We reused a lot of the original timber flooring from the Ilfeld Warehouse, um, which, as you might expect over the decades, got really beat up. So we planed it down and we were able to use it really in this case as an ornamental feature. But it's once again a way of kind of recalling the history of that building. I
0: like that. And the rail yard, of course, is a very different space than downtown. So you're going to be a contemporary anchor in a place with lots of other contemporary. You know, the New Mexico School for the Arts is there now, training future artists. You've got the site Santa Fe. You've got all those wonderful galleries, you know, facing Guadalupe. So how does the museum connect to those spaces? And is this going to be kind of a further revitalization of of this signature space?
1: Well, that's what we hope. Um, I mean, the building has been more or less uh, unused in a tangible way for quite a while and so we really are looking to be as collaborative as possible with our neighbors in the rail yard and as you mentioned that includes the school for the yards that includes site santa fe um el museo um the Tomo Foundation Art Vault, and then all of the galleries that are there in the rail yard, many of whom specialize in contemporary art. It really does create, I think, um, a fantastic location in Santa Fe that will really help this city make its commitment back to contemporary art, which it did for decades. Um, And I think this really gives us kind of a a wonderful step forward um, collaboratively as a city.
0: That's nice to hear. And and Christina, that's sort of what you're doing in the public schools and in your art is you're obviously a contemporary person, you're producing contemporary art, and that's what the kids are doing. And this is going to be their chance to see it in the real world.
2: Absolutely. And to engage with the rail yard. One of the one of the things that I've found in the four and a half uh, going on five years that I've been with the public schools, a lot of our students don't make it to the plaza. I'll take field trips down there with teachers and ask the young people, uh, how many of you have been to the New Mexico Museum of Art? And in a group of 15, this happened, I think it was last year, maybe two, raise their hands. And we live in a, a, the art capital of New Mexico and one of the great art cities in the United States. So I think this is a really interesting nut to crack. How do we make all the museums accessible to all students? How do we foster that activation so young people know this is your museum, this is your state, your state museums, you belong here. What can we do as educators in partnership with the education departments at the museums to foster that belonging for young people? Well, that connection is huge. I remember going with my son's
0: uh, like third or fourth grade class when they had the big Russian summer, and it was a lovely experience except for the docents following every little brown child saying, don't touch, don't touch, like they were going to, because all of them were taught to have their little hands behind their their backs. And uh, it was a real difference going with a public school than when we went with his Catholic preschool. And that was a one of those, you know, I always say if, if the child of a lawyer and a journalist is treated like a stranger in a museum as a kid, what happens to everybody whose parents don't have nice jobs? And I, I think that's huge for... Our, our city, because it goes back to the museum. I mean, and then the, the mural where people didn't feel welcome in their own town and they feel like they're being pushed out. What you're doing by opening it up is hopefully more of more people from town and more people with their kids will be there and feel a part of this new, wonderful creation.
1: Well, we hope so. I mean, we, we are having our opening weekend free as an incentive to get the community Uh, into the building to see what's there. And I have to say that it's really been fantastic working with Christina because not only has she created this great installation for the window box, but we've also been in regular conversation for over a year now about how we can really make this a space for the students of Santa Fe. And so we are really targeting the schools and encouraging them to bring the students to the museum on field trips where they can not only experience the museum for free, but they can also have activities in the classroom. And we're partnering with Site Santa Fe on this. And, and without Christina, I don't know that it would be as effective a partnership um, as we would like. Um, so we were very much interested in, you know. Especially the children, the youth of Santa Fe, seeing this museum as a place where they can experience contemporary art. And that's one of the reasons that we've tried to create such a diverse experience, whether it's Christina's installation or uh, Leo Villarreal or Oswaldo Macchia or you know, animated augmented reality cats by Judy Chicago, all of that is really intended to give them you know, something that they can tie to, something that they can feel a sense of connection to. And that helps them to see the museum as theirs. As a state museum, we are a museum of the people.
0: I love that. And that's a great place to end. We'll look forward to the opening this weekend. And thank you so much for taking time to talk to Conversations Different. Thank you for having
1: us. Yeah, thank you very much.